Overnights on ABC Radio. And joining us from the USA is Celeste Katz-Marsden. Good morning to you, our time. Good morning. Lovely to talk to you. And uh, look, um, you know, as I say on our program, we, we try to have a bit of fun and put uh, the troubles of the world aside, but it's uh, very difficult to do that, Celeste, isn't it? And uh, it's very depressing in a lot of ways. So stories from you, how posters of kidnapped Israelis are igniting, uh, well, trouble on the sidewalks of America. Very much so. And look, it, it is it is important to take breaks from uh, from some of this news that is extremely distressing and depressing. But at the same time, as you say, you know, sometimes we do have to talk about these things. We and do. Yeah. There has been, um, you know, really an extreme rise uh, in the United States, including in, in New York City of anti-Semitic incidents, um, people with very strong feelings about the conflict in the Middle East. But one of the ways this is manifesting itself is people tearing down posters mm. of Israeli hostages, mm. ripping them down, claiming that they are some kind of state propaganda. These are largely uh, posters that are made by an artist. Uh, that are just trying to bring attention, uh, not sort of weighing in on the conflict itself, but rather the fact that hundreds of innocent people are still being held captive and people are tearing those posters down. Yeah. And again, look, and this is the case with, uh, it was the case with here, with university students in in the Vietnam War days, but on college campuses, uh, the kids are still getting themselves very much involved, aren't they? Yeah, there's been, again, there's been a a huge surge in activism. And look, everybody has seen activism associated with college campuses, whether you experienced it yourself, participated in it yourself, see it on the news, hear your kids talk about it, your grandkids talk about it. This is very, very normal stuff. But now what we're starting to see more of are are, uh, physical incidents of people being pushed around, trapped in buildings by demonstrators. Um, And look, I know that a lot of people are feeling really nervous and afraid. People are afraid, they say, to speak out in favor of the Palestinian cause. But at the same time, you know, do want to emphasize that a lot of what we are seeing are uh, actions against um, Israel, against Jewish students, even maybe Jewish students who aren't even getting involved in these demonstrations, aren't making a, a political statement. We've seen some very disturbing videos of, of kids being uh, afraid to leave their rooms And then, of course, you know, internationally, we're seeing uh, things that uh, we all hoped, I I pray, that we would never see again, like people painting the Star of David or spray painting the Star of David on buildings where Jewish people live. That Mm. stuff is scary, and we do need to talk about it. Yeah, we do indeed. And as you say, it's easy enough to, to get these posters, I mean, find them on the internet and print them. Very easy. Right. And so we now are getting into situations in the United States, a couple of them very highly publicized, where some people have been ripping down the posters and other people are challenging them, telling them not to rip down the posters, even physically defending the posters. There was a a really sort of um, an incident that's really gone viral where basically I think some construction workers were telling this one guy to leave the posters alone. And the guy made a point, which I thought was pretty salient personally, which was that if the guy wants to stand in the street and scream death to America or death to Israel or something like that, then okay, he has a right to do that. He has a right to express his views and that's fine. I'm not trying to suggest that anybody should be curtailed from expressing themselves, but a 
destroying somebody else's property uh, is one thing. And then you, you sort of have to ask yourself, why are these posters of literally posters of children who have been taken hostage? Why is that something that you would want to tear down? Why is that something that that you think is offensive? Mm. Um, mm. So that that's sort of the, the debate there. It's not a debate about free speech. And the person who's putting up the posters in a public place where lots of other posters have been put up is exercising their free speech, too. So it becomes that sort of argument about where does your speech begin and where does it end when it bumps into somebody else's? Yeah. And look, um, you know, it always occurs to me that uh, in your country, in our country, at least we live in countries where you're able to express your free speech and there are many other countries in the world where you can't do that. Very, very much so. I think that is an excellent point. And I think that, look, sometimes it's a real problem when, when people are out there saying, well, you can't say that. Well, you can't think that. Well, that's not how it works. Not in a democracy, not in a, a free country like uh, the United States or Australia. But, uh, you know, again, we are seeing things get really heated. And now we are seeing some universities, uh, you know, uh, campuses putting policies into place to try to tone this stuff down, to try to draw some limits on how people can treat each other when they are expressing those views. Yeah. And look, um, has there been much violence so far? Because I'm sure the fear would be that that's going to happen and anti-Semitism as well and all of this protesting. Yeah, there have been incidents of uh, people being pushed around uh, or threatened, harassed, menaced. Uh, and the whole thing is is really getting very, very heated. We're now seeing, uh, you know, sort of retaliation or retribution, or some people would call it seeking justice, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, some of the people who have been engaging in these practices are now being uh, effectively doxxed, being publicly identified and called out. Um, people seen, for example, tearing down posters have been on the front pages of newspapers. There mm. are new websites and Twitter feeds um, that have pictures of them saying, do you know who this person is? And when people figure out the sort of crowdsourcing, when they figure out who the person is, they put up their names, their ages, where they go to school, people have lost their jobs and that sort of thing. So again, like it, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sort of tussling with it myself because again, where does your ability to speak freely and to hold personal opinions? And um, another, another thing that we've seen in terms of people, uh, exercising their free speech is donors to major institutions like universities saying that if they don't do more to address or reject or quell anti-Semitism, we're taking our money and going home. We don't have mm. to donate to institutions mm. that allow hatred against uh, certain kids to proliferate. Yes, and uh, incredible amount of hatred uh, being expressed. You know, Celeste, I, I had on the program last weekend uh, a career diplomat from Australia, a guy called Ian Palmiter, and he's now uh, a, a lecturer in Middle East studies. And, and I reminded him, and it was many years ago uh, on the radio, I interviewed a person, I can't remember who it was, uh, but the quote was made. I mean, every time they find a solution to the Israel-Palestine crisis, they change the question. It just seems to be, uh, to most people in the world, unsolvable. And it's just horrific. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I never want to have to think that. I never want to think that there is not some way mm. to come to terms. But right now, it, it looks bad. I think that maybe in the past, I don't want to be overly nostalgic or sentimental, but maybe in the past, there were sort of moments where we might have 
reached some sort of a solution, maybe not the perfect answer that made everybody happy, but some sort of agreement that would have prevented what is happening here. And I'm worried that we have missed that opportunity. Yeah, indeed. And uh, obviously, and, and I don't like to be, you know, a prophet of impending doom, but obviously the more this goes on, the more likelihood of uh, all of this happening uh, for a much longer time. Right. And, you know, in the United States, and I don't know if this is also the case in Australia, but it also has become something of a litmus test for public officials, public institutions, politicians. Where do you stand on this? Where do you stand on this? And a lot of people, I think, are sort of walking a tightrope on this. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to alienate Mm. anybody or they don't want to diminish anybody else's causes. So it's really become this question for everybody about where do you stand? Are you saying, quote unquote, the right things? Are you saying enough of the right things? Are you acknowledging at least that the other side has legitimate concerns or has experienced legitimate loss and suffering? And yeah. so there are a lot of people sort of trying to thread that needle right now. Oh, I'm sensing that with your president. It's happening here too with politicians. I mean, they really are treading this very fine line of what they think they can and can't say, aren't they? Yeah. And and a lot of these things are ending up, I think, really getting conflated. And that makes everything so much harder. Like there's been a lot of discussion about is it anti-Semitic to be critical of the Israeli government? I mean, I don't know. I mean, if if, nobody asked me my opinion, but I mean, I, I think that it's it's possible to be critical even of your own government without being anti-patriotic or without Mm. being seditious or something. I mean, that's sort of the purpose of the government. We have it enshrined in our constitution that people have the right to freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to express themselves in other ways. And I think that it sort of dismisses some of these legitimate criticisms and concerns to say, oh, well, that's just, uh, you know, that that's not important. We're not being anti-Semitic. I mean, I think that Basically, what I'm trying to say is that there is a way to separate being critical of how a cause is being carried out without being critical of the idea that people want to be free Mm. and that, um, you know, that these ideas can be easily rejected or that it's some sort of a uh, some sort of a cloak uh, for for being critical of how people are behaving. I mean, what connection, what true connection is there to uh, being supportive of the Palestinian cause of the Palestinian people, I might add, not of the the Hamas government. But um, what do you accomplish for the Palestinian people by ripping down a poster of a kidnapped Israeli? What does Mm. that do for anybody? Mm. What does that achieve? Well, you know, it's supposed to be, isn't it, that part of the world, the cradle of civilization, and it's anything but civilized. It's just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Um, all right, now again, and I, I don't, I don't understand this on my side of the world. I just don't. But the president and first lady will be in Maine this week to one of the victims of yet another uh, mass shooting. Yeah, unfortunately, we have had yet another uh, mm. large-scale uh, mass casualty event. Uh, you know, a number of people murdered in Lewiston, Maine. Maine being uh, uh, in an area of Maine that's probably about two hours from from where I am in Massachusetts. Mm. And uh, you know, obviously, that community is in mourning. This is a guy who was associated with the military, but had been experiencing. Uh, serious, serious psychological problems had been uh, institutionalized for a bit. And I think that, you know, aside from the obvious issue that we always talk about, that is 
clearly hard to understand for for people elsewhere who have stricter gun laws. Um, the thing that we're finding out now about this case was that people knew for a long time that this man had serious psychological problems, that he was dealing with hallucinations, that he was experiencing severe paranoia. And this was reported to the authorities, to uh, sheriff's office, to the military. This is not a surprise. This isn't a guy who just snapped. Mm. Um, so this, of course, once again, sad to say, once again, raises the question of, at, at the very least, in cases of mental illness, where do we draw the line on whether that uh, affects their ability or their their right to own a gun? Mm. Well, you know, we had uh, a dreadful incident here at uh, at Port Arthur in Tasmania, and the then government uh, had a scheme. You could hand back your weapons, and uh, literally thousands of them were handed back. But I think we've gone back the other way, and uh, you know, coincidentally, uh, I actually do have uh, a weapons license, and I've got a small rifle, but that's for vermin control, and Celeste, I haven't used it. I hope I never do, uh, but that's to look after my own animals because uh, we've got uh, you know feral cats and foxes in my area that can attack your chooks and your other animals, so I do have one. Uh, but as I say, I hope I never use it. But that's a small twenty-two. It's not uh, an automatic assault rifle. I think that's the issue, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, to be honest with you, I have uh, used many guns in my life. I don't, uh, you know, I don't carry a weapon or anything like that. But for specifically for sporting clays, which is kind of like yep. skeet shooting or what you would call trap shooting, um, I've used handguns in a, at a range in a controlled environment. Uh, so this is not an issue of being against guns or uh, against people owning guns or using them for sport. Or I, I'm not a hunter myself, but uh, I. I you know, I understand that that's something that people really value and, and share as a family experience or maybe even for food, um, like all of those things. I think that what we're talking about here, to your point, is very, very different. There is a big very difference different. between yeah. a 22 and an AR-15. Um, and, you know, I think the country, once again, is really trying to face up to the idea of do people need what what is the purpose of allowing widespread ownership of uh a gun that can kill this many people this fast. Is mm. there, I mean, are you really going to use an AR-15 for home defense? Of course not. No, of course not. And, you know, the point uh, that I, it always comes home to me when we have this discussion, and again, you have another mass shooting in the United States, is, you know, the politicians say, well, our thoughts and prayers are with the families. I mean, they say it every time. It's meaningless, isn't it? Well, I mean, I guess it's a, a pleasant sentiment, but the idea is what should we be doing to prevent this from happening in yeah. the future? I mean, does this does this country or do many countries have mental health crises? Yeah, of undoubtedly yeah, of so. But that issue and the issue of whether people should be allowed to to own or to purchase these high capacity weapons is sort of a very different thing. And then when the two go together, this is what happens. And it's not, um, I don't know, there's sort of my, my husband points to there's a, a satirical website called The Onion and, you know, satire is one way to deal with very painful situations. And they have a, a story. And every time something like this happens, it just changed. They just change the numbers. And basically it says, um, you know, it's essentially a point to the fact that the United States offers thoughts and prayers in a, a situation yeah, yeah, where, yeah, yeah. you know, this happens here and uh, this is the only country where this happens to this extent. Yeah. Well, now something decidedly, Celeste, more fun. Massachusetts to pick the official 
state ice cream. Can I be a judge? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that this is this is something that, you know, as you say, uh, we do need a break from thinking about all this super depressing yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is one of those things that people can actually have an opinion on without hurting somebody else. Um, so it looks like it looks like the, the Bay State, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts may be inching towards going with cookies and cream. But uh, there are there are, of course, diverse viewpoints. Well, on yes. Ben and Jerry's cookies and cream, Celeste. Oh, my goodness. How good is that? Now, there's, well, coffee, uh, that's got a, a high vote. What, what else is in the vote? Yeah, well, there are, there are a bunch of different ones that people coffee, but there are a lot of people who chose yeah. other other people who have, uh, you know, their own their own separate ideas. But cookies and cream, there are a lot of places where cookies and cream ice cream might have been invented. Some people claim <laughs> that it was in Somerville, Massachusetts. So it's kind of a, a state pride thing. I don't know. Uh, coffee is a big, big thing in, in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, where I used to live. Uh, New England people really love their coffee. Certainly Vermont. Uh, Vermont is well known for its its coffee as well. So that's that's kind of a strong one. But uh, they have not made a final decision on this. So I oh. think you still have time to weigh in as a sort of an international delegate on them. <laughs> well, can we have a vote? Probably not. <laughs> I, don't, I, I would. I, I think that at least at least you can be a friend of the court on this, <laughs> uh, on this matter. <laughs> Your favourite ice cream, just address it to, what, the legislature in Massachusetts. That way, that way yes, you send you it? Yes, you send it right to the, uh, right, right to the uh, state house in well, Boston. Well, as I say, it's expensive here, but uh, that ben and, ben and Jerry's make a cookies and cream, and it's to die for. That is super lovely ice cream. So that, there's my vote. I'm in. No, I will. I will pass it along to the uh, to the lawmakers of Massachusetts and and let them know how how you have weighed in. Lovely to speak to you as always. Talk to you next week. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Celeste. Overnight nights on ABC Radio.